This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Uh, Take your Bibles and turn with me. We're going to be looking at the story of Luke chapter 5. And if you will, go ahead and click over there. You can download the notes on our CLC app if you'd like to take notes and just follow along with us. I don't know if you know, but my wife and I were missionaries. We were missionaries with the Assemblies of God for almost 18 years before we came here to Christian Life Center. Our very first missionary term together, now I say together because my wife grew up on the mission field. At the age of three, she went with her parents to Africa, West Africa, lived there for 10 or 12 years. Then she moved to Belgium and was there for about another eight or nine years. And when she came back to America to go to Bible college, that's when her and I uh, met. And then God began to call us and when the Lord brought us or led us to go to the nation of Hungary, We were there, and I've told the story from time to time, but from those that don't know, my background as a family came from Hungary. The the lineage of my father was from Hungary, and as God called us to Hungary, in fact, my dad was saved in a Hungarian church as a very young man under a pastor who was a Hungarian, felt the call of God to go to Hungary, was never able to go because of communism, and he was only at that church for a few years, and my dad gave his life to the Lord and many, many, many years later, God crossed our paths and we realized that God, as that intersection took place, that God had led him to that church so that he could, we believe, we sensed it in that moment that as he went and he preached and he shared and he ministered, it led to my dad's salvation, which many years later, when the country of Hungary was opened up, enabled us to go as missionaries. And it's just been a great testimony that I've shared for many years. And we were living in Hungary. We were serving there. We'd been there about a year, year and a half or so. And my mom and dad were coming over for a, for a Christmas vacation. Uh, we only had Jonathan, our firstborn son at that time. We hadn't seen our parents in, like I said, a year, year and a half. And back then, we didn't have internet. You didn't have WhatsApp. You didn't have all of those things that we have today. It was $1.50 a minute to call home. And I only made $600 a month. So it wasn't like uh, we were calling home a lot. And, and so we were really looking forward to them coming. And one of the things that my dad wanted to do, as I said, he was Hungarian. His, my, you know, his, my, his, his grandparents or my great, great grandparents came from Hungary and he wanted to go to some of the cemeteries that were there in Hungary of our family uh, lineage. And so we looked up the towns, we, uh, we mapped it out. We went, we found, you know, where the gravesides were and we were walking around and we were looking at all of them. And it struck me as I was looking at these gravesides, these tombstones, as we would see the different names and we found a couple of our family's uh, gravestones there. And you would see when they were born and when they passed, some of them would have a scripture, some of them would have maybe a little slogan or a little statement. For example, uh, Candy's father passed when he was 48 years old with a, with a brain tumor. And, and on his tombstone, it says, to the world you were one but you were the world to us. And it, and, and, and it was just something that they would be a reminder of that person's life. Well, as I looked at that, 
I wondered, what were they like? What was this individual like? What was their loves? What was their passions? What, what, uh, what, what, you know, what, what were their struggles? What were the things that they, they wrestled with? What were some of the, the victories and the celebration moments of their life? What did they do for a profession? What was their career? I mean, those thoughts begin to run through my mind. And then I saw something. And since that day, I have to tell you, it has changed my life. Because when I looked down at the graveside, the, the, gra- the, the, you know, the tombstone there, I saw when they were born and I saw when they died, when they passed and left this life. But in the middle was a dash. And what I was wondering was the dash. What was the dash of their life? How did they live their life? What did it look like? And the reality is we can see the beginning and we can see the end, but how do we live the dash is so important. And today I wanna talk to you. We're looking at this theme, focus, living with clarity in times of uncertainty, to focus. And today I wanna focus on something that I believe is very, very important. It's focusing on the dash, living our life for that dash, living our life to see what that will be like Because when we breathe our last breath and when we leave this life, that dash is what will be remembered. And so today I want to talk to you about living passionately. Say that with me. Living passionately. Living with passion. You know, Jesus was someone that lived with passion. And in John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief is the enemy of your soul. Satan himself comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it what? Have it to the fullest. Have it more abundantly. Jesus says, I want to give you life of satisfaction. I want to give you a life of security and and enjoyment and, and fulfillment. Now that type of life comes only when you live life with passion. In fact, passion is the driving force for many things in this world. The driving force behind sports and music and man, what powerful music we have here. It's a passion for these guys. I mean, these guys, when they get together, I get to see the behind the scenes. I mean, sometimes they're just jamming. They're just going at it. I mean, sometimes I'm here late praying and and just walking around studying uh, here on campus. And I'll hear somebody in here just drumming away or, or playing away. Why is it there's a passion? Well, passion becomes a driving force for many of our lives. In fact, without passion, you will not see great accomplishments in life, great art pieces. I mean, if you've ever gone to Italy, if you ever uh, go into the Vatican and different places like that, when it opens up again, I should say, when, when, when you go there, you're going to see beautiful paintings and beautiful architecture. What drove that was passion. Passion is so important in our lives. And today, when we talk about living with passion, I want you to understand that God desires it. He created us for it. In fact, in Mark chapter 12 and verse uh, verse 30, we read this passage a lot. It says, love the Lord with all, say that, with all your heart, with all of your mind, your soul, uh, with everything you have, with all of your strength, love the Lord your God. What I love about this right here is it's saying, love God with all all that you are, your mind, your, your will, your emotions, your heart, your strength, everything that's in you. Love the Lord your God. That is passion. 
You know, one of the things that I've enjoyed over these last eight, nine, 10 weeks is watching some of the pictures that come in from our children that are worshiping the Lord with our online CLC Surge Ministry on Saturday. You know, they'll have their little guitars and they'll be playing and worshiping. They'll be up close to the monitor when Pastor Eric or Pastor Mindy is doing their program and they're worshiping the Lord. They're learning from a very young age. What does it mean to love the Lord with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength with everything that's within them? I'm so excited and proud of our young adults that, man, they're, they're making a stand. Man, in a time and an age where young adults are leaving the church and in and, and great numbers, I love watching our young adults that says, you know what, I'm going against current of, of culture. I'm going against the things of this world because I have a love for God and I'm giving him everything I have. That's the kind of passion I want you to know that God rewards. Can I just hear an amen right where you're at? Shout it out. Amen and amen. Living with passion. Now I'm going to take a familiar story and we're going to look at this. In Luke chapter 5, I asked you to turn over there, Luke chapter 5, and I want to share with you uh, a story and extract a few points and give you a few lessons that I've learned about passion. Uh, I've never been accused of not having passion. I've, I've never been accused about being a passionate, uh, a passionless, how do I say that? Passion. That's a tough word. Why did, why did that even come into my mind? I can't even say it. You guys are laughing at me in your living room. That's not fair. I've never been accused of that. And I want to share with you some lessons that I've learned. And you know, it goes all the way back to that day that I was in the cemetery and I saw the dash and I said, God, let me live my life with no regrets. Let me live my life for the dash because I don't know what's going to happen with my family afterwards, but I know it's going to be impacted by the dash of my life, how I live my life now. And I want to live with no regrets. And I want to show you some guys that did that. Look here in, in, in Luke chapter five, and we're going to begin reading in verse 18. It says, some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and they tried to take him into the house uh, to lay him before Jesus. But when they could not find a way to get to Jesus because of the large crowd that was there, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, man, Ishmael, I love this, man. I, I love the focus. I love the intentionality, the determination. I, I, I love this, 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 this passion that these guys had. There was a problem. The problem was that their friend was a paralytic and they had the belief that if they could get him to Jesus, that he was going to be healed. And so, man, first of all, I want friends like that. And man, I, I, and I got a lot of friends up here, but Ishmael, I'm looking at you and I'm telling you, man, I sometimes bump into you at your workplace, right? And uh, when you move from one place to another place, I bumped into you at the other place. And what I love about Ishmael is Ishmael, man, I'll come walking in and he'll go, oh, praise God, you, you were sent by God. I, I was having a hard day or, or I was asking God for an answer and you just gave me that answer. And that's the kind of intentionality that these guys had. I mean, it was determined, it was focused, nothing was going to stop them. 
Now for them, it was getting their friend to Jesus. Nothing was going uh, to stop them. Their friend needed a healing. The problem was that there was a crowd that was there. The, the crowd was so big. Now these are small homes, not like we would have today, but they're smaller homes. They can't get in, they can't get to them. And so they decide they're gonna go up on the rooftop and man, what boldness they have here. Man, they, they begin to break open the ceiling to lower this man right before Jesus. Why? Because it was crowded. There were so many people that was there they couldn't get to Jesus. And Delaney, I begin to think about that and I begin to think reality is sometimes what hinders my passion is there's too much things, too many things, too many people, too many options that's crowding out and keeping me away from the priorities that I need to have so that I can get what I need to get and receive what I need to receive and to have the passion that God wants me to have. A crowded life, a crowded life will cut off the, the things that hinder you and stop you. When you live a crowded life, you cut things out that you shouldn't be cutting out. When life gets busy and you're living without margin, you start cutting out devotions. You start cutting out proper rest. When life gets crowded and busy, what do you cut out? The Sabbath. We don't even know how to live by Sabbath principles. Why are we saying every Thursday is soul care Thursday in our Monday through Friday prayer time? It's because we begin to realize this. If we don't have a healthy soul, the soul is my mind, my mental health. If I don't have a healthy soul, it's my emotions. If I don't have a healthy soul in my mind, my will, the will to do what I should do, if I'm not healthy because I'm so crowded, there's so much in my life, then I'll cut out things that I shouldn't be cutting out. I'll cut out time with my family. I'll cut out personal time. I'll cut out exercise and sleep. I'll cut out these things that I shouldn't be cutting out. And so the crowd was there. They were there and they were crowding around Jesus. But these guys were so determined to get their friend to Jesus that they found another way. Another thing that I realized is sometimes in and over these last, what has it been now, 10 weeks or so in COVID, over the last eight or 10 weeks, what I've realized, and man, this is happening to some of you. It was really just a download from the spirit as I was preparing this week, is the crowd around us sometimes hinders us from touching Jesus. And the reality is, Ishmael, there's a lot of people that are watching right now that because of COVID, they've not been able to hang out with the people they used to hang out with. They've not been able to do what they used to be able to do. And without realizing it, here you are, fast forward eight or 10 weeks later, and some things are changing in your life. And today, I hope that you'll hear this message and you'll grab these points I'm about to begin to give to you, that living with passion changes everything in your life. And so I wanna to talk to you real quick, lay out four things to you of what does it mean to live passionately? And if we're going to live passionately, there's some things that we need to do. And I think we find them right here in these scriptures. Look at verse 19 uh, with me back in your scripture, click back over, open uh, the Bible again if you closed it. Verse 19, when they could not find a way to do this because the crowd, I read it, they went up to the roof and they lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. This is what I've learned, that if you're going to live with passion, if you're gonna live a life of passion, you're gonna live for the dash, then it requires us to do something drastic. That's what these guys did. They did something drastic to get their friend to Jesus. But the reality is you and I, we will never live passionately 
If we don't do some drastic things in our lives, if you don't start to live your life with margin, if you don't start to cut some things out of your life, if you don't begin to do some practical things, you'll never live a life of passion. You see, there's a few things that steal our passion. And today I think it's important to walk away with this because without realizing it, it, by default, we begin to live without passion. I can't say it, passionate Passionate list. I don't think that's a real word. I don't think so. It's just not rolling right. But we are not living with passion and everybody's Googling it. They're texting it. It's a right word. It's a wrong word. I'll read the text and find out later. But the reality is if, if we don't know what it is that steals our passion, that's a good way to say it, what steals our passion, if we don't know the passion killers in our life, then we by default begin to go down a path and we begin to live our life and we're living it without intentionality. And before we know it, we get to the end and we can look back and there's so many regrets. I remember as a young uh, Bible college student, I was so eager, uh, I was so eager to, to learn how to do ministry, Toby. And, uh, and so every opportunity I could, you know, I knew God called me to preach. I didn't know how to preach. I'm still trying to learn how to preach. But, but uh, I, was, I was trying to do everything I could, Delaney, to try to learn how to preach. And, and so I, I, first of all, volunteered in the, in the children's program, right? And uh, I would work in the children's program every Sunday, and I would share the story there and preach. And man, kids are so forgiving, you know. You can mess up all day long, and they're so forgiving. You could, see, you could teach the same lesson almost every week, and they wouldn't know it. I mean, it's, it is so good. Uh, and, and so I did did that, but then I started going to the nursing home, and um, and I would every week I'd be running, you know, the service in the nursing home, and I'd be preaching. And Ishmael, this is a true story. My very first service I was doing, the older gentleman in the nursing home came up to me, and he said, "Son," and he took my hand. Can't do it. It's like, uh, social isolation right now, but we can't do it. But he took my hand, and he said, "Son," and he leaned over. He said, "We like them short." <laughs> Well, you know, I, I didn't learn that lesson, Amanda. I mean, I just, but anyway, you know, the reality was, the reality was I was trying to develop, I was trying to grow and I was getting around them. And as I got around them, I would hear, and this is where I'm going, is I would hear them talk about their regrets. And they shared their regrets like this. Sean, they would say, I wish I would have. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done that. And you know what? They never said, I wish I would have worked harder. They never said, I wish I had a bigger bank account or I, I built a bigger house or I drove a better car. They never said that. And all of a sudden, it began to hit me. That dash in our life, if we're not careful, some things can kill the passion in our life. And we find ourselves living for that which we shouldn't be living for. And we live a life of regrets. Look here, if you uh, have your, your Bibles uh, there with me in, in Romans 12, 11, Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now that, that fervor is your fire. That's what I like. Keep your fire. Keep the fervor. Keep the unction. Keep the passion. Why? You're serving the Lord. Don't be sluggish. Let there be no hesitation or no delay. I mean, you're serving the Lord. Keep your focus because as you do, you're serving the Lord. So Ishmael, I've learned through the years that one of the passion killers, if we're not careful, is when we're not clear on what is important. If I'm not clear on what's most important, 
then my passion is going to die. Why? It's because I'm living my life without a point, without a purpose. I'm just going through the motions. And if we really live our lives without understanding why we're living it, then we go through it and we look back and we have regrets. A number of years ago, I, I began to think about it like this, Toby, and that was if I had one year, two years to live, if I had one month to live, I had six months to live, when people get diagnosed with a disease or, or something that's life-threatening and they're told that they have a certain amount of time, you know what always happens in their life? is they get very clear on what's important in their life. And so I begin to ask myself, God, how can I live every day with purpose, with intentionality, to know what's important in my life so that I can know that this is what's going to last, this is what's going to remain, and I can hold on to that. Because sometimes we spend so much time and energy on something that five years from now means nothing, and in light of eternity, it absolutely is useless. And yet, we go through the motions forgetting that things and, and people are the things that are going to really matter. So where do we start? Well, we've got to start by, first of all, really beginning to determine in my life, in my life and in our lives, in your life, what is most important? Now, sometimes that's called the values of our life. What are the values? And the reality is few of us actually take time to determine what our values are. To begin to say, what do I value so that I can plan my life towards that which is important to me and I can live towards the values of my life? So I say that I value my family. Well, then I got to plan, be intentional to live my life for my family and with my family. I, I say that my value is the Lord and, and to walk with God and have a relationship with God. That's a value of my life. Well, what does it look like? Do I go to church? Do I read the Bible? Do I have my devotions? Do I get into his word? Am I allowing his word to transform me and change me? You see, if it's a real value, I've got to live my life to that value. If I say that I value generosity or I value stewardship or I value my health or I value this or that, our values are going to be so different for many of us. Now, as believers, there's probably about three to five that are going to be very, very, very similar. But if I don't align my life to the values that I say is important, then I'm not living to that which I say is really important. Do we value it? Do we know what's important? It's been said that we have an inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values. When I begin to align what I say is important to where my time is and my life begins to line up. So the clarifying question for me is if I had one year to live, if I had one month to live, what's most important? Now, I know, I know, I know. I don't mean to be morbid, but I want us to shake ourselves a little bit. Paul says, awaken, oh sleeper, awaken yourself. Ow. Awaken, he says. Awaken from your sleep and know what is most important. I think what's happened in the last number of weeks, these last 10 or 11 weeks, for some of us, we've been really determining and understanding that, man, what I was living my life for didn't really have value. It really wasn't something that was going to last. When you know what's most important in your life, when you know your values, 
It sets you free. When you know your values and you align your life and your time for that, can I tell you, you begin to get clarity. The big picture begins to become so clear. And let me also say what happens is you begin to make an impact like you would have never had before. But the challenge is the things of this world and, 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 and people in this world and, and pressures from the world and people clash against our values. And when they clash against our values, now we're conflicted what to do. And unfortunately, as believers, we haven't won that too many times. So we let ourselves get over, overcrowded and overloaded. So if you're going to do something drastic, you know what you got to do is you got to begin to remove the obstacles. That's what these guys did. They removed the obstacles. Man, they couldn't get to Jesus, so they climbed up on the roof. They made a way to get down before him, and they removed the obstacles. Now, before I go on, because I want to give you the next few points before we wrap up here, what I've learned is things without a deadline are often the things that are the most important, and yet they're the things that are often pushed off the, the fastest and the quickest. There's not a deadline. So I, I should have a devotion with my kids. I, I should pray with my wife. I should have a date here with my wife. I should do that. I should do this. I should do this. The most important things in my life often don't have a deadline. And so they get delayed. And by default, when I delay them, they now are not important because it's not aligning my schedule to that which I said is most important. A second thing that I have found that kills my passion is when I don't know what's really important, when I don't understand the values of my life, but secondly, when I'm not serving God in my shape. You see, when, when you're serving God in your passion, in your shape, there's something that begins to fuel you. God's designed you to serve him. And as you serve him in your shape, I like to call it your anointing. When you begin to understand what is God's purpose for your life and you begin to serve him in your purpose and you begin to serve him in your shape, man, it's like wind in the sails of a sailboat. God begins to sail through you and blow through your life and move you through life with such passion. And, and you're, you're moving in the anointing of God that that nothing, waves, storms, nothing will stop you because a passion is moving you because you're in your shape. Passion killers. Well, if you're gonna live with passion, you gotta do something drastic. Secondly, I'm gonna show you here in verse 20 what these guys did is in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Now, the second point I've learned to live with passion is you got to expect the unexpected. You see, this man wasn't coming for forgiveness of sin. He wasn't coming asking Jesus, will you forgive me of my sin? What was he doing? He was coming for a what? A healing. He was on his mat. He needed to be healed. And Jesus is saying to him, your sins are forgiven. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's laying there and the reality is that's not what he was looking for. There was something else that he needed and he desired and he wanted. And yet God began to speak to the very thing that was most important in his life. 
You see, I can set the priorities of my life. I can begin to align my life to those priorities, but then I've got to be ready. I've got to expect the unexpected because I have learned in the interruptions of life, there, and there will always be interruptions. I've got my plan. I know where I want to go. We were all planning and going one way, and then all of a sudden came blowing in this pandemic, COVID-19, and shut everything down. What do you do? You expect the unexpected. When things get crazy, when things get hectic, when interruptions come, I've learned to give into that and understand that God is in control and to begin to learn. And I've learned, Delaney, a lesson there that in the unexpected, God is trying to get my attention. And in the unexpected, if I get stressed, if I get frustrated, if I get worried, if I begin to, to try to figure it out and try to control it and work it, I begin to learn. And I've learned a lesson a long time ago that all of a sudden it's a warning light that goes off in me is that I'm trying to control something that is uncontrollable. And in that interruption, it's something that God is trying to say and God is speaking. It's an interruption. It's a gentle nudge. It's a, it's a guiding of the spirit and God is speaking and God is saying, will you listen and will you let me be in control? And so in the unexpected, I begin to learn and I begin, let me say it another way, I begin to listen for the voice of the Lord. So in these last eight, 10 weeks, I've really been trying to just listen. God, what are you saying? What are you saying in my life, in our family? What are you saying in our church, our ministry? What are you saying to us worldwide? What are you saying, God? What in this moment are you saying to us? And in those moments when we press in like that, in the moments of, 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 of interruption, God is speaking so loudly. If you're gonna live passionately, I wanna encourage you, don't get frustrated by the interruptions, but learn to rest in the Lord in those moments and say, God, what is it that you're saying to me? The last two things are very quick. I just give them to you as bullet points because I want to lead you in prayer here at the very end. In verse 19, I read it to you. But in verse 19, it says, in the middle of the crowd, they lowered him right in front of Jesus. I've learned that if I'm going to live passionately, it's going to require me to do something drastic. Some changes are going to have to happen. Delaney, there's some changes some people are going to have to make. Coming through this season, God has been doing and saying some things, and you're going to have to do something drastic. I've learned secondly that I expect the unexpected because in the unexpected, God is speaking. But then thirdly, if I'm going to live with passion, if I'm going to live passionately, I've got to create. And that's the key word, create. I've got to create some God space in my life. You see, if I'm not getting in front of Jesus, if I'm not pressing in, if I'm not getting around him, if I'm not getting in his word, if I'm not spending time in prayer, if I'm not taking time to listen, to journal, to write down, if I'm not doing that, I'm not going to hear him. The reality is Christ himself would slip away and spend some time with the Father. He'd get up early in the morning. And he'd slip away to a solitary place. And as he did, he would pray and spend time with the Lord. You see, the secret to maintaining your passion is to spend time with God. It's to create space in your life 
so that you can hear the voice of God and you can align your life. I love a passage of scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 27, reverence for God adds hours to each day. When I spend time with God, he's saying here, God adds to my day. When I'm overwhelmed and I don't know how I'm gonna get it all done, why don't we just stop and spend some time with him and watch how easily everything comes together. I've learned to do that in my own life with a journal. A friend of mine gave me this journal. I brought it tonight. I know it's big. It's not for everybody. But uh, a friend of mine gave it to me and I've been using it. It's leather, leather bound. And I love what it says here. Maybe you can catch it on the, on the monitor, the TV here. Walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. Proverbs 13, 20. And what I've learned to do in creating God's space is just to take time to journal. Now, I've written down things that are values in my life. Things that I say that is important and things that I want to make sure I do so that I'm living intentionally. And I, I try to keep check on that. I try to, to make sure that I'm doing that. I want, to, I want to live a life of gratitude. I want to live a life of contentment. So I want to show gratitude. And so I make sure that I'm doing that on a regular basis. And I, I walk through this at different times. I'm reflecting and I'm journaling and I'm writing down lessons and things that I'm learning. And as I do, some people call it a soap. Some people call it a journal, their devotions. What am I doing is I'm creating God's space. Now, I used to, when I was a young Christian... I used to do it very legalistically, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd do it, you know, very rigidly. I'd do it the same way. And I've learned through the years, Delaney, it's, it's not how it's done. It's just, it's got to be done. I've got to create God's space in my life. And when I do, I get close to God. The values of my life begin to come in alignment. I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. If you're not creating God's space in your life, and there's stress, there's anxiety, you're full of worry. Pastor Candy and I met a, a lady just the other day. And she said, I'm so worried, I'm so stressed out, I'm so, you know, upset. And then she emailed us back this week and said, you know, I'm just, I just don't know where this is gonna go. And today I sent her a little email back and I said, you know, she doesn't attend our church, we met her in another city. I said, my wife and I lead a prayer every day, Monday through Friday at 12 noon. Why don't you try, try to join us? Because I believe that as you begin to align your thoughts, you create God's space, God will bring peace into your life. The last and final thought, and I want us to pray, is these guys, these friends, look here. It says in verse 24, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them. He took what he'd been lying on and he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God and they were filled with awe. And they said, what we have seen, remarkable things today. Now, you know what's amazing to me here? Is this guy's a paralytic. He's on his mat and Jesus heals him. And then Jesus says, take your mat and go home. 
He doesn't say, throw the mat away. You don't need it anymore. I've healed you. He says, no, take it with you. And the only thing that I can think of is why Jesus is telling him to take it is because it's a reminder to him of what God has done in his life. And it's the fourth thought I want to leave you with today is to keep a constant reminder, a reminder of the values of your life, a reminder of the things that have to be removed from your life, a reminder to you to align your values, to watch out for passion killers in your life, a reminder of what God wants to do. If you will live with passion, I guarantee you, God will begin like wind. In fact, the Holy Spirit is likened to wind. So God, through the Spirit, will begin to anoint you like the wind of the Spirit in the sails of life. And you'll find yourself soaring. Soaring through storms, through weather, through waves, through any turbulence, anything that comes your way. Why? It's because the power of the Holy Spirit is there. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.